Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. How are you doing today? Everybody good? Are you sure? This is a shout out to those of us who are not on spring break. Being adults, doing what adults do. So uh, we are so thankful to have you with us today. We're very, very grateful that you would be here. Um, if you're a New Braunfels resident, you know our town has been invaded again for the rest of the season. I always say this, we were in Chick-fil-A today, and uh, yeah, we saw you there, Stephanie. Uh, and uh, that was awesome. But we were in Chick-fil-A today, and I was telling my wife, uh, tell, excuse me, telling my wife that you always know in tourist season, who's a local in New Braunfels because they're wearing pants, not shorts, because we actually have jobs. And so uh, we're, not, we're not all on vacation right now, you know what I'm saying? But uh, it's so awesome to be here with you guys today on spring break. We're thankful that you are here. Um, so very blessed that you're here with us. You know, uh, today I want to read you a passage of scripture that's probably quite familiar uh, to you, but I'm going to read it and I'm going to ask you to kind of have an open mind uh, and an open heart to hear this passage again. You know, some of us have been in church for a very long time. Some of us have heard some of these passages of scripture from childhood on. Some of us have never heard this passage of scripture before. But if there's one thing that I do know, it's that we're never too old or too mature to learn from the scripture. Um, you know, for millennia, people have been studying the same collection of writings that we know as the Bible. And if it hasn't gotten old for millennia, then there's no way that it should get old in our hearts, amen? And there's fresh revelation for you and I each day. And can I say this? Even if there were, wasn't a fresh revelation for you and I each day, there would be a fresh application for you and I each day. And so I want to encourage you with that today. Um, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It's Luke 5, 17 through 26. It's a long passage of scripture, so let me just read it through for you. It says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. Like, where did they come from? And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he asked him, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the son of man, which is what Jesus would call himself, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. And everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God exclaiming, we have never, or we have seen amazing things today. And let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. 
God, I thank you that the truth of your word is timeless. There's always something fresh for us to gain from the study of your word. And so God, today we're asking that you would teach us and train us like 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, to train us and give us instruction for how to live righteous lives. God, I pray that your word would correct us today. God, I pray that your word would show us the way to your truth. That as the psalmist said, that you guide us into our destiny, but it's only when we receive your counsel. So Father, our prayer is that we would receive your wisdom today so that we could live out the full potential of what you've called us to be. God, I pray that as I speak, that people wouldn't hear my thoughts, my opinions, my words, but that they would hear your word, the truth that sets us free. We thank you for open hearts, open minds. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, a lot of us have probably heard this story a lot. The story of this guy being laid down in this cot, down through the roof. I, you know, should have faked you out and said, look, there's one, (laughs) there's somebody coming right now. We lower Pastor Dave down on ropes or something like that. Troy and I, we're the musicians, we drop him. Uh, We're not used to that kind of stuff. But, you know, this is just such a bizarre and fascinating and just kind of an odd story that so many of us have heard so many times. And I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today. And I knew I wanted to talk about evangelism, but I had personally just been reading through Luke and I had read this story recently. And I was kind of just thinking exactly how do I want to come at this angle of evangelism? And I heard somebody, I was watching this worship thing where they were talking about uh, worship as warfare, as far as like spiritual dynamic of, of we're fighting battles when we worship. And I don't know if you know that, but every time you declare a truth over your life, like you're a good father and I'm loved by you, you're reminding yourself of who God is and who you are, and it scares the devil, and he loses a battle every time you choose to sing the truth of God's word. So I was watching this thing, and, and this lady began to talk about this same story, but she was talking about the account in Mark 2, whenever uh, it tells the exact same story, but it talks about them lowering this man through the tiles, and it actually says that they dug into the roof in Mark 2. And she was talking about people who were believing for them to come to Jesus. And she said, how much are you willing to dig for people to come to Jesus? I thought that was really fascinating as as I began to read this passage more, I saw something that I never knew as a kid all those times hearing this story in Sunday school. If you look at the header in your Bible, it, it probably says like the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. Those headers are actually added by the translators later on. Those headers obviously weren't in the Bible. They weren't sitting there writing, you know, this is the next section that we're going to talk about. They were just describing the account. And all my life, I felt like this story was a story about healing. But as I read it today, I found that the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man is primarily a story of salvation. And so today I kind of want to talk to you from that angle of this is primarily a story about Jesus saving somebody, not just healing somebody. Because if you see the order in which this goes, this man comes in and he needs to be healed. But what's Jesus's first course of action? He says, your sins are forgiven. And then when the Pharisees get frustrated about that, because they think you can't say that, only God can say that not realizing that he is God in the flesh. When they get frustrated, Jesus doesn't just heal him. He says, so that you will know 
that I, the son of man, have the authority to forgive sins on the earth, now I'm gonna heal this man. And so the crux of the story is not healing, the crux of the story is salvation. And it's a man receiving forgiveness of sins and then receiving his healing after that. You know what I find so interesting is it says in this particular passage that as Jesus was teaching and preaching in probably what was this house, this person's house, it says that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. That's another translation. This one talks about the presence of the Lord was with Jesus strongly to heal. But other translations say the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. You know what I find so interesting is that Jesus is teaching the truth and God's presence and power are there to heal. You know, that's the way it works in the local church. That when we gather together, anytime God's word is preached, his power is present to save people and set them free. In fact, in Mark 16, verse 20, it talks about how signs and wonders follow and confirm the truth of the word of God. And so we understand that whenever the word is being taught, that God's presence and power are there to heal people and to set them free. You know, that's the importance of what we do here because not only are you just hearing the word, but you're coming into this place where there's not just the word being preached, which is of utmost importance. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But there's an atmosphere of faith that we've all come together believing that God can do great things, expecting him to move in our lives. And when we dive into this atmosphere together, then we can see not just our own lives changed, but other people's lives as well. There's a powerful thing that happens when we come together. Church is a faith-filled environment where people can encounter a God who saves, heals, and restores, but sometimes they need a push to get them to Jesus. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you might say that you needed a push to get you to Jesus early on? And some days, maybe you still need a push, and maybe your wife is the perfect person to do that for you. Or maybe your husband is the perfect person or maybe your friend is the perfect person to do that. But we all need people who are willing to push us towards Jesus. And so today I wanna talk to you from the perspective of these four men, and Mark it says that there were four, that carried their friend or whoever this man was, we don't even really know if he was their friend, to this house. And I want us to talk about how what these men did relates to us introducing people to Jesus for the very first time. Because as you know, we're coming up on a season coming really close to Easter where people are going to be excited to actually come to church. And this may be their one time of the year where they come and they come for that one hour and 15 minutes only. And then they're ready to go eat all the peeps that they can eat, right? And Cadbury eggs. But there might be people who are excited to come to church, or maybe there's people who are not really excited, but at least they're interested because of what time of year it is. And I believe that we owe it to them to study, how can I effectively lead them to Jesus? And so today I wanna to talk about three things that bring people to Jesus. And we see these things exhibited in the lives of these four men. Number one is compassion. Compassion. You know, how many people did they pass by on a daily basis that suffered from disabilities? 
I mean, if you look in scripture, it was common for people to sit on the street corner begging in that day. I would say it's possible that they weren't really great friends with this guy. They just kind of knew him because they saw him all the time, but they chose to help him. But they had this compassion about them that drove them to do something. They knew that their friend needed healing, so they took him to the healer. And it was their faith that moved their friend closer to Jesus and eventually that led Jesus to forgive their friend of his sins. And you might say, well, I would have thought it was the faith of the man. Well, if you see right here in Luke 5, 20, Jesus, it says, when he saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. It didn't say when he saw the faith of the man that was lowered down. It said their faith. Sometimes we need to be what leads somebody to Jesus. And sometimes it's our faith that's gonna push them closer to him. My question to you today is this, what are you using your faith for? And it's so important that we use our faith to believe for things in our lives and things that are going on. But my question is, am I just using my faith for myself or am I using my faith for other people? When's the last time that I believed that somebody was gonna come closer to Jesus? But you know, something that's really, really important to know is that they didn't just pray for their friend, they took action. And they risked embarrassment. I mean, just think for a second, what if people along the way said, what are you doing? You think he's gonna have time for you? He's hanging out with the most important religious figures of the day right now. He doesn't have time for this guy. Or what would people have thought when they began ripping up someone else's roof and lowering their friends down? Or what if Jesus wouldn't have healed their friend? They risked all kinds of embarrassment, but they cared enough to move just from praying for somebody into action. James 2.17 in the New Living Translation says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. You know, we like to think that, I'd like to think sometimes that I can just pray for people and that's enough. But it's been said before that maybe sometimes we're praying for other people, but God says you're the answer to your own prayer. And it's time for you to mobilize your faith instead of just verbalizing your faith. My question to you is this, do you know anyone who's paralyzed by fear or addiction or sin or the mistakes of their past? Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a friend. The second question would be how can you leverage your faith and your natural influence to draw them to Jesus. Because this is the, the distinction that we're making here, is it's important for us to believe in faith for somebody to come to Jesus. But God has given us natural tools to influence them as well. I think about this a lot um, and analyze for myself personally. If God asked me to pray for somebody, do I skip out because I feel embarrassed? And you might think, wow, that, that's, that's your job is to pray for people. You know, you may not know this about a lot of us that stand on this stage, but for many of us, those kind of cold conversations where you just walk up in the store or maybe 
person-to-person evangelism, that can be some of the hardest things for a lot of us. A lot of us guys, if you see us off stage and out of this environment, we are talking to the people that we know, uh, but maybe aren't reaching out as much to the people around us. And it's a growth opportunity. And it's something that we have to push ourselves in each and every day. My question to you, if that's kind of your personality too, is like, well, God, I know you said, but you know, this or that. My question to you is, what are you going to do to overcome that obstacle in order to, really, to reach people for Jesus? There's some people that are natural at it. Pastor Joshua and, and, and Christina Pinkston that runs student ministries. There's somebody on my choir right now that they met at a park and that's why they're at our church. Just walked up to them, felt led to do that. Tony Bias, I think I saw her here today. I meet people all the time that she invites to Tree of Life. But if that's not you, what can you do to step out of that box and to allow God to use you? So the first thing they exhibit is compassion. And the second thing that they exhibit is persistence. Because leading people to Jesus isn't always a one-time act. It often takes persistence and a willingness to keep trying. Oftentimes it's inconvenient. You know, it was inconvenient for those four guys to take time out of their day to carry a grown man on a mat, maybe across a town. But they chose to do it anyways. It was inconvenient for them. You can gauge your level of compassion and faith for a person by this. Will you continue to reach out when it's difficult or inconvenient for you. If I could be really transparent with you right now, I can think of two family members right now that maybe it's been inconvenient for me to reach out to. But maybe it's time for me to begin to reach out to them again. But you know, somebody reached out to me when it was inconvenient for them. I would guess that somebody reached out to you when it was inconvenient as well. If you don't break through to someone the first time you invite them to church, are you gonna give up? Are you gonna be persistent and invite them again? You know, I love this story because these guys, they carry this mat with this grown man across the city or across the town or whatever it is, or maybe it was two doors down, who knows? But either way, it was time out of their day. It was inconvenient. They didn't have a car. And they go to this house. And when they get there, it's packed. And they could have just said, you know what? Sorry, I mean, we could crowd surf you, but that's about the only way. But instead of being turned off by the fact that the room was packed and there wasn't another way, they chose to be persistent and to try again a different way. Notice that the crowd was so huge they couldn't get in. Listen, my prayer for us as a church is that we would have the kind of attitude that says, If it's difficult to get into church today, that's okay with me. If it's difficult to find my parking place, if it's difficult to find a seat in the sanctuary, if it takes too long to check in my kids or my teens, that's okay with me because that means that more people are experiencing the life, love, and power of Jesus. That's gotta be our heart. And can I tell you just one little secret? People can sense that from a mile away. When you walk into a room and you're the new person, you know 
whether people really want you there or not. People can sense that from a mile away. But when we're genuine and authentic about saying, we're so glad that this place is packed. I'm so glad that I'm inconvenienced today because that means that somebody is having an encounter with the Savior. The Apostle Paul probably was the best example that we have, one of the best examples that we have of this. The guy went to such great lengths. If you heard Pastor Dave preach on Sunday about the lengths that Paul went to to share the gospel. You think about him being shipwrecked and he was already a prisoner being transported to Rome and then he's shipwrecked. And what does he do? He brings the gospel to those people. And then what does he do when he gets to Rome? He continues to bring the gospel to those people. And I love the attitude that Paul had that no matter the inconvenience, he was okay with it as long as he was gonna be able to reach people and stay in God's plan. In fact, Paul sometimes made plans. Like when he had a vision or a dream one night of someone from Macedonia calling him to go there, he had another plan, but God interrupted his plans and he chose to go somewhere else to reach someone else. In 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23, Paul said this. He said, I've become all things to all people. He's kind of saying, I'm kind of a chameleon. I can find common ground with other people. I can hang out with other people. I'm not saying I believe what they believe, but I can find some kind of common ground to relate to them on. And this is why he said, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share and its blessings. Paul said, I'll do anything I can so that by all means, I can reach some. You know, Jesus lived a life of constant interruption. Did you know that? It says actually in the Bible that oftentimes he would go out by himself to pray early in the morning so that nobody else would be there, just kind of get some alone time. You can imagine if you were teaching, um, you know, think about the five loaves and the two fish. They say there could have been around 15,000 people there, including women and children. I mean, the guy needed some alone time. And so he would go out by himself. But did you know that sometimes he would go out by himself to pray and the people would find him and show up? It's kind of like being a mom. They will find you. Somebody clapped. That's awesome. You thought they were playing video games or you thought they were on their iPad, but they found you. But that's Jesus's life when he was on the earth. He was interrupted constantly. The Bible says that he went about doing good. You know, when Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus's daughter, that lady, or I believe his servant, I'm sorry, that lady touched his robe and she was healed right there and she interrupted his plans. I wonder sometimes if I'm too concerned with my schedule to be interrupted to reach out to someone. I wonder sometimes if I'm too uh, busy and sometimes too busy doing good things to be distracted by people who need Jesus. Just something for all of us to consider. You know, I believe this is when you take time out of your day to do something you feel God's leading you to do for somebody else. You didn't lose that time. You'll get it back. God created time. And 
I'm all for scheduling. Listen, I'm a musician, and I'm not the type A musician that reads music. I'm the type whatever musician that just, I like to have free-flowing, let's just play this and then play that, and hopefully it goes well. I schedule a lot of things because if I don't, I will do a lot of things that I didn't need to do and nothing that I did. But we have to be willing to break out of our schedule every once in a while to respond to God's voice. As a church, we must do everything we can in order to connect families to the life, love, and power of Jesus. So you see that they had compassion on this man. You see that they were persistent. Listen, there's people that I asked to come to church last Easter that I'm going to ask to come this Easter because I'm believing that someday it's going to pay off. And the number three, creativity. Luke 5.19 says they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. In fact, in Mark, his account says that they dug into the roof. And we'll get into that in a minute. But you know, sometimes in order to lead someone to Jesus, we've got to be creative and a little bit unconventional. Creative and a little bit unconventional. You think about the way that Jesus did things. You see these guys lowering people through the roof. Jesus did all kinds of unconventional things. Why did he spit in dirt and make mud and put it on someone's eyes, which is disgusting, in order to heal him? Sometimes he just did stuff in a little bit different of a way. And sometimes to reach people, we've got to break out of the box that we've been in. You know, one of the funniest things, this might offend some people, that's okay. Uh, I just thought of this and it's funny. Um, I, I, for a long time in high school and into college, had really long dreadlocks. Someone's calling me right now. It's awesome. Uh, I had really long dreadlocks. And every time I would go anywhere in a public place, especially like on a Friday night, uh, people would ask me very interesting questions, if you know what I mean. I, I can tell you one time I was walking on the Riverwalk Friday night and I had five people ask me if I had marijuana. You know, it was just based off of appearance. Little did they know that I, I was probably at, at that time, uh, you know, serving here, volunteering here. But sometimes it could be the most random thing that draws somebody to you and you get to let them know about Jesus. Because there were times when that got to be my response. No, actually. And then I got to tell them about my life. Sometimes we have to break out of the box to reach people who are outside of our normal circles. Getting back to the part about digging into the roof. And I don't know if I told you, but the title of this was Evangelism Through Vandalism, and I don't really condone that. But that's what they did. I mean, they just ripped apart somebody's roof. And you have to understand, roofs in that day were a little bit easier to repair. But I want to know, like, did you ask permission or did you just start ripping shingles off? But some people say that the roofs could have been made of like dried plants, like maybe dried grass or like dried thorns, and they would layer like clay or mud on it and let it dry. So picture this, you're in this house, there's all the top religious leaders of the day, and then there's Jesus who kind of just burst on the scene and he's doing all these miracles and, and, and everybody kind of is not sure what to think, but they know he carries this miraculous power from God. You're sitting there and you're hearing this teaching and all of a sudden, stuff just starts to hit your head. And 
you're like, what is that? And dirt begins to fall down. You're kind of just looking up like, I don't, I don't know what is happening here. Have you ever been in, in somebody's, maybe their house or their car, and like, especially cars, things just fall off? You ever been in a car like that or owned a car like that, right? Sorry about that, you know? They're in this environment hearing this wonderful teaching with important, important people and stuff starts falling on their head and they're getting distracted and it's messy. Creative evangelism can be messy. Creative evangelism can be a little bit different than we thought it would be. You know, you might go up and talk to somebody about Jesus and they might not want to hear it. It might get a little bit messy. You might go up and talk to somebody about Jesus and uh, they might use some language that you might normally not want to use. But I wonder what would happen if we were willing like Jesus to get a little bit messy in order to reach out to people. You know, the story immediately following this one, Jesus, as he's leaving this town, he goes to the booth of a tax collector named Levi, Matthew, and he calls him to follow him. You know, tax collectors in that day weren't just regular old IRS employees. They cheated people out of their money like crazy. It wasn't regulations. It wasn't trying to find loopholes in tax laws. This was, they would charge you extra tax that would go in their pocket on top of what the government was charging you. And they were hated by the people. And they lived, some of them, apparently pretty wild lives. And Jesus, on his way out of this town, after this miracle of helping this man, we don't know how long the gap was, but he walks up to this guy named Levi. And you know what Levi does? Same thing that Zacchaeus did, the other tax collector that Jesus ministered to. Levi throws a banquet at his house and Jesus is the guest of honor. But this isn't a banquet for all the cool religious people that were in the house a few minutes ago. This is a banquet for all the people that have been cheating people out of their money, that have been living wild. In fact, the religious people, the cool people that were in the house a while back, they actually say to Jesus' disciples, why does your master eat with such scum? Creative evangelism can be messy. But here's my question for you. Creative evangelism can seem messy for those of us already in the building, but isn't it worth it if someone else is saved and healed? They're standing in the building and they're receiving the teaching, but there's somebody else who needs it. There's somebody else who is crying out for it, who is physically hurting, that needs it so bad. Is it worth it to me? The question I have to ask myself to get a little bit messy so that somebody else can come to accept Jesus. The other thing is creative evangelism can be disruptive. God likes to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming. This is what I was talking about earlier. What if he asks you to press pause on your schedule to pray for somebody at the grocery store? My favorite story, I tell this quite a bit, is in a time in my life where I was hurting. I really needed a word from God. I told God that. I was sitting in the parking lot of H-E-B on Walnut Avenue, and I said, God, I need, a, I need a word from you. Walked out of my car, nothing. Walked up, saw a security guard, and God gave me a word for that guy. And I was kind of like, really? And I 
pressed pause, talked to him. He was like, wow, yeah, that really blessed me. Went back to my car, and I remember just saying, what in the world just happened? But you know what I learned? God did give me a word. God showed me that I could hear his voice clearly. And even though it wasn't what I wanted to hear at that time, I would be able to hear. What if God gives you unsaved friends who call you late at night to ask for prayer? What if he interrupts your schedule in that way? What if God asks us to put certain things on the back burner in order to reach more people? Do you know um, that the two ministries that I began leading worship in at this church uh, as a young, 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 young person, uh, I'll tell you how young I was. My voice cracked every time I led worship. Uh, so I was definitely a middle schooler and it was awesome. Uh, but the two ministries that I, I began leading worship in, neither of them actually exist anymore. Are we willing to be flexible when that thing that we love may have to be put down in order to reach more people that he loves? Are we willing to be flexible? You know, oftentimes it's really interesting to me, we're so worried that our schedule will be disrupted or the way that we think will be disrupted. And it's so valid because we live in a busier culture than ever before, I believe. I'm gonna have a little soapbox statement for a second, just from somebody from my generation. We often wonder why young people don't stay as busy as they maybe should. I think for a lot of them, it's because they grew up in an environment that was so busy that they said, I will never be that busy. Does that make sense? We live in a culture that is so incredibly busy. And we think sometimes, well, I just don't know if I have room in my schedule. I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And there are some legitimate things. Don't leave your kids at school because you were praying for somebody, right? But in Jesus' story about the shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he loses one, it was extremely inconvenient for the shepherd to leave 99 sheep behind to look for one. It probably took hours he probably had to walk miles. It was so hard for him to do that. It was a pain, really. When he found the sheep, he probably should have just been mad, but he rejoiced. And the story about the lady who lost a coin, she turned her house upside down. Have you ever lost a remote? And you just begin flipping all the couch cushions and we get so mad, which really cracks me up. And maybe I'm the only one, but we get so mad. Like, what are you missing? A TV show? It'll be fine. But this lady that loses the coin and she turns her house upside down, it's inconvenient to find this coin. But she valued it. And then I think about Jesus and what a disruption it must have been for him to leave his throne in heaven, to be born as a baby, and to have to live 30 years of mundane life before even starting his ministry. A lot of us who are young think, well, when am I gonna get to start this thing? Well, good news, Jesus didn't start till he was 30 and it only lasted three years and they killed him. So if you think that you're having to wait so long on something that God's doing in your life, think about Jesus. He didn't just come as an adult, he started as a baby and he had to grow up and he had to become a carpenter. 
But it turns out in the end that he begins his ministry. For three years, he gives people everything he's got. He faces extreme criticism. And at the end of it, the very people that he was a blessing to for three solid years turn around and crucify him. I bet that was an extreme inconvenience and disruption. But he saw me as worth it. And he saw you as worth it. And the question I'm asking myself is, are other people worth that to me? Is it worth it to me to step outside of my Cody Jones comfort zone and to ask somebody to come to church? Is it worth it to me to ask somebody if I could pray for them? Is it worth it to me to give them a chance to experience the hope and the life that I've experienced in Jesus? You know, one quick last thing. We've got two final thoughts on evangelism. Out of that same passage, number one, evangelism is contagious. In verse 25, it says, when he picked up the mat, everyone was watching. I love that. You know, when you go after that person that's far from God and you invite them to Jesus, it's not just them that sees it, but your coworkers see it. Now, we don't do it for recognition, but can I say this and possibly the most important thing? Your friends at church see it and it emboldens us to step out in faith as well. And the second thing is evangelism leads to worship. It says that when the man left and he was praising God, it says the people were gripped with wonder and awe. Do you know what worship comes from? Worship comes from a sense of wonder. I look at God and I think, man, how big is he? How amazing is he? How amazing is his grace that set me free? And we begin to think those things and it inspires us to worship him. If we could understand him, we wouldn't have a reason to worship him. And so evangelism is contagious and it inspires worship. My question for all of us this week is, who are you praying for to accept Jesus? And how will you use compassion, persistence, and creativity to invite them to do so? Who's that person that you need to ask about their relationship with God this week? Who's that person that you feel like, I I need to text them and invite them to Sunday service this week? Who is that person for you? If you don't know of anybody, ask God to show you somebody, anybody. My challenge to you though, is cultivate a heart of compassion. Cultivate an attitude of persistence. And then be creative in the ways that you reach out to people, even if it's messy, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's disruptive to your schedule, be creative with it, but find a way to reach out. Just, I, I'm gonna just go for a second. Maybe that means not just talking to somebody about Jesus, but maybe that means putting some action to it as far as maybe you have that one neighbor that uh, seems to be struggling right now. And maybe they could just use some help, whether it's at their yard or maybe it's some food, whatever it is. I'll never forget somebody close to me told me that um, a person from a church one time when they were suffering, um, severely impoverished as a child, showed up to their house and asked if they could pray for them but didn't offer them food. Maybe there's something practical that we could do that would open the door for them to receive Jesus. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org 
we'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.